Good morning and welcome back to our Pacific Morning Show. This is our awesome relaunch. Yes, we are going live on a Friday morning. We usually go live on Monday, but today we have a very, very, very special episode with some awesome, awesome people. I've missed doing the show, but we're back. We're up and running and we've got some awesome topics to relay back to all of you. On today's show, we have some amazing trailblazers in the industry right now sitting next to me. One with a very awesome hat, although he wears mm. many hats. We have Tauiri Ili Alpha Mayava and Uluwaki Maka, who are here to share many things about the great work that they're doing with indigenous sounds. Sounds of the Moana. How are you guys this morning? Good, good, good. Yeah. Great, yeah. thanks. Um, you know, uh, Manawatia Matariki, since it's uh, Matariki today. And uh, we just want to say, uh, come to Maori to all our Kiribati families. It is their language and uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday. Hey, TGIW. Anyway, <laughs> Friday, hey, Friday spelled differently in other parts of the world, okay? It starts with an M. Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Um, I like your glasses this morning. Um, look, I'm not advertising them at all, <laughs> but it's $2. This is like the fourth pair of <laughs> You know how awesome it is when you go somewhere and you just forget a pair of glasses and don't have a heart attack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I am $2 for life. Yeah, I have like five pairs of $2 glasses in my glove box, just in case. I've seen your receipts. Okay. $2 Louis Vuitton, don't lie. Yeah, $2 Louis Vuitton from the Mangry Town Center. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, We had an episode last year, which did amazingly well. We had so much feedback from Pacific people all across the world, and they wanted you to come back. Wow. People ain't got no lives or what? Yeah. I'm the most boring person in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, give the people what they want. Wow. You know, so thank you for coming back. Mm. We really appreciate it. And I, I, I now have the chance to share all the feedback and get some of the questions that people have asked about that episode. And we can talk about that. But first, how's your guys' week been? Okay. Busy, busy. Um, Yeah. It's been great just uh, promoting our Sounds of the Moana composer funnel uh, to those who are interested and just uh, uh, raising awareness so that uh, if they want to come, learn a few things about our ancient Moana sounds, they're more than free to um, come and join us. Mm. That's awesome. Could you introduce yourself a bit, please? Um, yeah. Malo lele, koku ingoa, ko loaki maka, fuliwai kaivelata. And yourself, Alpha? Yeah, okay. I'm going to Thank you for the opportunity. Amazing. Thank you. Alpha, we had a pretty good discussion this morning about some of the work that you're doing. Oh. The last podcast we had, we talked about your Sounds of Moana um, award-winning mm. podcast that got worldwide recognition yeah. on top of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, that was a crazy one. Mm. Um, and whenever I talk about that podcast, I always have to acknowledge the people that, because the reality is people uh, heard my part of it, but I was just part of a team. So I always acknowledge um, one of Tonga's uh, greatest minds of our time, 
Mahina. And then we also have uh, two uncles from the Cook Islands, uh, John mm-hmm. Kiria and Maarmaeva. Uh, also uh, a legendary Samoan orator from the, the Nonumalo clan, and that is Fetalainga uh, Leunga Atasufara. And uh, Rita Simontafa, who was the only female that we had on our team, she was a she is a Samoan uh, ethnomusicologist that just completed her PhD out of Australia. And also Fayumu Matthew Salapu, he people know him as Anonymous. He's a music producer. Yes, yeah. I heard of him. He's so awesome. he's done soundscaping, does mm-hmm. stuff for Black Grace, but even on his own, it's that guy's world, you know. And so we, we got together and did this podcast through Sounds, Center for New Zealand Music, and then Sounds submitted it to the New York Radio Festival Awards. That is the, so you've got the Oscars for movies. Yes. Um, that award is the Oscars for podcasting. Man, that that still blows my brains. Oh, look, yeah. us too, because, like, you know, you've got a whole bunch of folks <laughs> um, of different ages. Yeah. Right? And we just got together and, we, we, see, we the funniest thing about it is we talked about things that we thought no one cares about our culture. Mm. You know how it was, I don't know, stuff. people want to hear that. And then we got together, we did uh, a two-part series. So part one was called The Origin of Sounds, where we talked about the sounds of our people when we migrated to Aotearoa. You know, when we left home to come here to seek whatever grass, green or fish and chips, any of that, what did we bring with us? Mm. And then a second uh, series part of that was around the origin of um, our instruments. And so, you know, we put it together, and after consulting the matuas, those who are much smarter than I, um, we decided to pick the fangfangu or the nose flute that Uwaki will play as part of our being here. Can't wait. We also focused on the 4-4, which is the conch shell, mm. but we did it from a Samoa perspective. Mm. The fangfangu or the nose flute, we took the perspective of Tonga and the Cook Islands. And then for the third instrument, we focused on the pate. Samoans call it lali. Mm. Um, other islands call it Bate, depending on which of part of the Mona you are. Mm. And then they submitted it. And we ended up beating, we were in the same category as CNN, wow. MSNBC, and also BBC. So if you know BBC, BBC is so greedy, there's BBC one, two, and three. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. they're all rich. And they, their budget to produce this sort of stuff is probably uh, millions. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Right? We had like a budget of 10 grand. I'm, so, I'm not laughing at you, but oh, no, we, we I understand where you're coming from. Because yeah. especially yeah. when they told us we were shortlisted, we thought, oh, yeah, they just needed to make the numbers. Right? And that's Are we, we the diversity it. tick? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we were also up against there's a, a lady called Miriam uh, Margoyle. Mm. Now, if you <clears throat> currently watch, there's a program, it's called Almost Australian. She's also a British lady. She was doing a reading of Lord of the Rings. So that's oh. who, and that she's a famous actress. She's a very well-established British Hollywood cinema legend. And, you know, to be able to come out and win gold in the music category Absolutely. over all of that, man, honestly. So when we got told that we were shortlisted, they were like, yay. And then, you know how when you're told you won gold, you know, the first island thing you do is like, whatever, man. No. Mm. <laughs> how much did you guys pay them? Yeah. Um, and that's how it was. We weren't able to go over to Vegas to pick up the award because at that time, America was in the middle of their comments. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we celebrated in a small room in Wellington <laughs> um, with donuts and some more diabetes. <laughs> so, and, and that's all that went, you know. And, and I think the biggest thing for us is to it confirm and reaffirm that our stories, the world wants to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm so 
proud of you guys. $10,000 budget, winning that, kicking it out of the park hmm. is such an amazing um, achievement yeah. for our people. And it's so important. And now you, with that podcast and with hmm. that project, you know, you made the most of what you have. Yeah. Yep. Now you're presented with more opportunities. Yes. Which sounds, we've talked about, sounds amazing. Could you mm. tell us a bit about that? So, first of all, um, just to recap, Sounds Center for New Zealand Music is uh, the organization that's been supporting and promoting all of these events. So, they were founded in 1991 initially um, to look after the scores and compositions of New Zealand classical music. So, uh, you've got the classical music of New Zealand, but then also the uh, jazz music. And then about uh, six years ago, they expanded right. to include uh, Tangata Fenwa music, which is mm. awesome. Because at the end of the day, when you take your classical music out there or to Europe, um, it's still Palangi music, isn't it? But when people look at out there or they're expecting to hear some brown people music. Right. So that was part of initially, the, you know, we need to include um, the indigenous places in Aotearoa and then about two years ago we were lucky enough that they expanded that kaupapa to include the Moana mm. and when I say the Moana is you have down at the Fenu of this land we are down at the Moana those of us from other islands um, outside of Aotearoa mm. the first thing we did when we came together is we did a strategy because sounds wants to engage with you mm. but how can they which was really good you know, they didn't just go in typical Palangi organization of hire a brown-looking person who yes. may as well be white. They <laughs> literally came and engaged the community. So we called everyone. Right. We called the Tongan composers, the Fijian composers, whoever was composer in here, we brought them all together. Mm. And then that ended up with, you know, how uh, with the sounds <coughs> of the Mona podcast. Mm. So part of the fruit now is that we're using that to bring together composers mm. because... If you go on the Sounds website at the moment, you only see Balangi musics and you also see Taungapuro or Maori musics. And by the end of this year, you're going to go on the website and it's going to have Tangata Mona composers, their profiles, their works, and we are expanding what a composer is. You see, classical music is Eurocentric. It is very, yeah. It is music based around the culture of Europe and the equipments and the instruments. Mm. So the question is, what is classical Mona? Well, classical Moana is Moana-centric musics composed with the ideology of using our equipment like the fangu fangu, mm. but our stories, because that's what, uh, uh, what do you call it, Bach and Beethoven's Figalo. Yes, exactly. Mozarel, <laughs> right? It's their yes. stories. Yeah. So we need to create our own. Mm. And some of them tried in the past, like the late Josefa Enari, I think he was one of the first Pacific Islanders to write uh, an opera. Wow. It had the early Jonathan Lemalu in there. Mm. So what we have a lot of is we have a lot of opera singers. Yes, we do. But we have very little people who play in orchestras. Mm. Why not? Well, I mean, we do know that the equipment costs a fortune. Exactly. That's why, you know, a lot of the... <laughs> yeah, and apparently it's really hard to, like, even make it into the orchestra, like, the competitions. Yeah. I'm not saying we were unable to do it, but... Well, that's, that's the thing, right? Mm. Um, because we've always used money as the catalyst to getting somewhere, mm. we will always say it's expensive. Mm. But what um, sometimes when the talent is great, the universe will bend itself around to provide you what's required because the world needs it. So that's the belief behind what we're doing. We need to populate um, the classical realm. 
Yes. Not by sacrificing our own definition of classical, but bringing ours to them. Because mm. at the end of the day, we are part of Aotearoa. Mm. What's important to us should also be important to Aotearoa. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, the, the world is looking, oh, to say, brighter from mm. where I'm sitting. But we do know that we're up against a lot of pushbacks. Yep. Because remember, we're, we're, we're vocal people. Mm. Oh, Islanders, yeah, go sing a song. We're not expected to be the, you know, uh, you've got people like Tuilangi, um, uh, uh, Ingelese Ete, who was a great composer, part of the Lord of the Rings. Yes. We have Paulima Salima, who's a composer, who is now using his talent to bring in um, Samoan myths and legends. Yes. So for me, that's a success. Mm. You're learning Palangi style, but you're using it to bring our own style in. Mm. And then I've got people like Uluwaki. I know, right? Yeah. Uruwaki is currently only two years old. Sorry, <laughs> 18, right? But most people my brother's age is they, they well, you know, because we, we do love youth music too, yeah. right? But the only difference is we also love, uh, is if not more, our traditional instruments. Yes. So for me, this is the future, mm. right? Um, and I'm hoping that at some point he's going to teach me so I can go and revive the Samoan Feng Fungu because we also had Feng Fungu in our culture. Mm. I mean, what, what for you, I mean, how did you get into it all? Because I'm doing mm. all the talking here. It's the yeah. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Friday. It's Friday. Now, I think for me, um, it really just all started at home. Uh, I can't um, credit my father enough. So it was it was kind of a, a thing where I, I would see my dad doing it and like um, Tawi Lili said, I've been doing it for about 10 years. So I'm still like, hey, yo, at that point, you know, I just want to go play with the playground. But yes. when I see my dad doing things, I'm like, oh, I'll give it a try, give it a try. And once my dad saw that um, that spark of interest and that, um, yeah, that wanting to know more from me, he just kind of encouraged it. Uh, we kept uh, kind of that, that fire lit um, within our home first for the, these like historical um ancient musical instruments yes and from there i just kind of took it and ran with it mm. yeah amazing that's yeah. so good and not just the fang fang mm. so people that will come and see the workshop um so Ulwaki and his father it's I, i'm jealous right because right. i'm i'm watching the old ways of how our people used to transfer knowledge remember yes. we weren't um, and this is where we have to be really careful our people when colonialism came into our races, they beat the they, they beat out of us the power of oratory, right? Yes. They then convinced us that all of our stories are boogaloo myths and legends. Yes. When you move a story from actuality and tangibility to hoogaboogaloo myth, you are saying it's not true. Yes. That's why they call it a myth and a legend. Mm. They did that. They also then say this pen and paper is mightier unless it is written mm. is non-believable mm. look at what we do now to find out the whakapapa of our lands we go to berlin apparently berlin and germany has the most completed record of samoan lands because they were the ones who mapped Samoa. Mm. when they left they took it with them mm. i think some portions of it were left to the kiwis but i mean part of what i'm saying may partially be untrue but most of it I've come across is that our records belong to someone else because pen and paper is now mightier than the oratory power Absolutely. of the people they once called the Dark Age. And I always ask people, so 
uh, people who are dumb and stupid, were they able to navigate the stars like this? Exactly. So who's dumb? Mm-hmm. All right. But that, that's where a lot of what we do is demystifying and trying to readjust the narrative that we were left with. We always say to people that 2023, we are the product of a va'a that sailed in 1830. Mm. 1830 is when the church was established in Samoa. That was the change of Samoan history. And it changed the narrative of how a Samoan walks and talks. Yes. Now 2023, all we're left with is a lot of beliefs, but filled with potholes of our actual culture. Mm. What we're doing? is to make sure the uh, the va'a that's sailing now lands 200 years from today mm. a lot more together and more information for my children, mm. their children's children, and whoever is going to come from me, mm. and you and his children. Yeah. So that's the plan. That's an amazing plan. You're absolutely pioneering in this space. How has it been to, like, you know how we are... Um, Pacific people are, we through oratory, we mm. pass on our history. Yeah. How hard has it been to be to establish, you know, as you mentioned, the whole pen and paper thing. They wrote theirs down. Yeah. We have it through oratory. How hard has that been as a researcher to bring that all together and solidify it for you? It's easy and hard. It's easy if I didn't need to uh, source and cite. Yeah. Because by sourcing and citing, it's taking away the manner of the word that my ancestor can tell me. Mm. Right? Look at it. Even if I go and get a Samoan to or a Tongan to quote me something, if I'm to publish that, yes. I have to cite it. Mm. According to the colonial system of how they write and <laughs> you know. Yeah. So mm. and, and is there kind of like a look down attitude <laughs> on oral history in the research space, would you say? They they do have uh uh I mean, they do use it as a source, as a reference. Mm. But we do know that even if you're a scientist and if you are to publish a paper, you know you're going to have to fact-find everything you publish yeah. before, right? Mm. So it's the same when it comes to these sort of narratives. The only, uh, But we're at a time now where we're able to sort of venture away from it. I'm saying that because the Sounds of the Mana podcast, yes. we work together to make sure that a lot of the people were unsighted sources. Mm. This is why we went to Leunga, tapped into his matai. Yes. Because you can't, Kramer and Turner and all of these Balangi shoots, they cannot reference and criticize someone who is the product of generations of passing down of oratory. Mm. So in that way, yes, we're slowly getting that back. But most people say they go to, uh, to the research center uh, to find the truth. It's because they don't speak their languages. You see, if you understand Samoan, the history, it's in the tongue. Yes. Right? Yes. But those of us who rely on researching it through the Papalangi's pen and paper, it's because their grasp of the language may not be at a level where, to them, it's believable. I love that. I love that. Yep, yep. Because, look, I grew up in Samoa, Mm. right? So I grew up watching people getting um, uh, possessed, right? And so I also believe the stories of... um, uh, of the spiritual Samoa, because I've seen it. Yes. Not all of it, but I grew up seeing it, right? Yeah, and many of us have. Yeah, many so, but have. to our brothers and sisters who grow up outside of Samoa, because they grew up in a Papalangi world, you know our stories are like, yeah, that's what they said. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't argue against them. Yeah, exactly. Because they are the product of their environment, mm. right? Mm. So, to answer your question, researching wise, it's, it's getting better because we are now able to somehow independently rely on knowledge and it helps 
when you've got knowledge holders. Because mm. now I don't have to guess what a fung fungo sounds like. Absolutely. I've got Uluwaki and his father, Tuifanualavakaivilata. Yeah. I've got uh, Ma'ara who can tell me the version of the Cook Islands, but I don't have a Samoan. Mm. Isn't that interesting? But fung fung and Samoan, Tonga, they sound, um, the words are the same. The only difference yeah. is the Tongans, um, like some Eastern Polynesian cultures, they at the end. So yeah. F A N G. Whereas our one is fangu fangu as it's spelled. Yeah, let's talk about that a bit mm. because how has your experience been learning it from your father? Um, like mm. Tawilili said, I feel like it's a it's a real special um it's been a real special journey. Mm. Uh that passing down through oratory and uh our our cultural way. Yeah. So man, this this whole time I've just been trying to be a sponge to my father, just soak up all the knowledge trying to um learn as much as I can because as um Tawili mentioned again, um this vaka that we've sailed on, there was a there's a few holes that's been put into it, yes. a few things that's gone overboard, gone missing. Mm. Um not at a fault of our own, but that's just the reality. So the whole the whole purpose or the whole point of it for me is making sure that the vaka two hundred years from now uh, hopefully we were able to um, mend some of those holes and uh, yes. bring back some of that knowledge and yes. um, leave um, our children, our grandchildren with a better, a better um, foundation than we were left with. So right. that's what right. it is for me. Yeah, and um, do you know, is there many Tongan people who can play? Um, or is it a dying? More than Samoan. More yeah. than Samoans. And more than the Cook Islands. If you yeah. were to put a number on it? Half a handful maybe. No, it depends on the levels. Like there, um, mm. I know for a fact that there is a, a, a Tongan sister by the name of Anau. Mm. Uh, she is the owner of Four Shells. Yeah. Um, she tries to engage our age group. So she puts on these things called Fangu Fangu Jam. Oh, cool. uh, where you can go to Four Shells. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what level you are. If you've got the heart to learn. Mm. So, you know, you've got those circles. Those are so valuable. Yeah. yeah. And then you have... Obviously, uh, with uh, Hikuleo or Onoaho, uh, which is what um, Uluwaki and his father's groups are. Then you have other collectives that are with Hufanga Hiakomelotu, Dr. Augustino Mai. So the Tongans are quite blessed. Mm. I mean, um, for where they are at, you know, you can see exponentially in the next 10 years, there'll be hopefully triple the number of Tongans that are playing. Yes. But um, Cook Island would be the same. Mm. But for us as Samoa, we have nowhere to start. Yes. Yeah. So our last podcast that we did, we actually mm. had a lot of feedback come through. Right. You know, talking about the fang fang and so it was an instrument that Samoans used, but it was erased by colonization or it mm. look the collision of cultures didn't just happen when colonization began. You know for a fact that if you look around the Pacific, um you will always no matter where you go in the Pacific, you always find these two islands. Mm. Tongans and Samoans. We were in Uvea together. We were in Fiji together. They took the north and we took the south. Mm. Um, and then they came and retook Rotuma after us. Yep. <laughs> right? Um, yes. we, we have evidence that we've been through the Cook Islands together. We've been mm. through Tahiti. And then we've been through to each other back and forth. <laughs> yes. So you'll find remnants even, and even in Niue, we've always been there. Um, and, and so what we're, what we're going through at the moment is we're relearning from one another. And this is an idea that was uh, a thought that was shared by Ma'ar Maeva. He said, you know, Tawilili, at the end of the day, when the Palangis, the Palangis always give narrative to things that would justify their perspective, right? right. They said, oh, it's a dying art. But in reality, no, there is no dying art in the Mona. We just held it back until such a time. 
Mm. Now, let me tell you how it is. Right now, Samoa held back on Tatatau. Yes. But we lost everything else. Mm. So guess what we're doing now? We're helping the Tongans revive their Tatatau. Mm. We gifted the Maoris uh, the hope. We're starting, we, we definitely revived the Tahitian and the Marquesa. Right. So now the Tongans in the Cook Island are gifting the Samoans the knowledge of how to use the Fung Fung. Right, right, right. Now we're coming to the Maori to talk about tikanga that is free of religiosity. Mm. So you see, in a way, we are now reigniting and re-gifting it back to each other. That's beautiful. It's a mono way. Yeah. Right? Mm. You know, you no matter where you are, as long as you're an islander, that's our common place. Yeah. Because we're ocean people. That's awesome. I, I'll be very interested to see the journey of it being revived in the Samoa. And, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and how to find how we used it. Because I have a comment here on your TikTok hmm. um, that you don't know how to use yet. So um, <laughs> I think we need to get Alpha a TikTok specialist, oh specialist yeah. to help him. But someone said um, it was a way that Tongans used to wake up royalty. Truth. So a fact or fiction? <laughs> what we always say is, you, you, remember how Asenoluaki said that the va arrived with a few holes in it? Yes. So there are many narratives. Like in Samoa, we say talalasi uh, or mau esi means different, uh, different expression, different discovery. One of the narratives that Donga talks about is that right? is where you use it to wake up the royals and then you also use it to i guess to help them sleep lucky, yeah right mm. but Certainly. now let's look at the reality of this yes and in terms of royal yes the the iki that you now have the fang fang was older than them like because in time war our fang fang was you're looking at 80 ad 950 ad the same age as the tongue, right? Mm, mm. Um, and so some there are narratives that say that it puts and it wakens the royal family. But then there has to be some other, because you look at the age of Feng Feng when you realize it's older than the royal family. Mm. So to actually say that it wakes and it puts the royal family to sleep is to almost ignore the life yes. of the Fang Fang prior to the establishment mm. of the royal family. Mm. And, you know, no disrespect to the royal family. And but holding its value to the royal family. Yeah, yeah. it's like you're mm. pegging it to the dollar. Yeah. Um, when in reality, there's a history prior to that. Yes. So that is one narrative. That is one narrative that has been uh, talked about, conversated about. Mm. But what we always try to do is we don't go against existing narrative. Right. Mm. You just have to play it for yourself and think, man, if I were to hear that in 950, I know what I was doing. Because, okay, no technology. Yeah. All we have is the wind. And for fun, we go swimming yes. and climb coconut trees. <laughs> so where does the fangu fangu come in there, right? Mm. So that's the discovery. And obviously, that's a narrative where it puts the royal family, that awakens the royals, yeah. uh, according to the narrative of Tonga. Right, Samoa right. has a different <clears throat> narrative that we have left. What's that narrative? So... When I visited Te Papa, the mm. team there have three Fung Fung that belongs to Samoa that no Samoans know exist. Right. The age is 1857. Um, but the narrative that was recorded in some of, you know, Richard Moyo's books and some of Kepler's and other the, the records that were kept by the Germans is that this was a casual tool, mostly seen played by females, but it was a casual tool. Maybe a courting tool. Never know. Imagine yourself. 
when there was no other disturbance. Well, you know. Yeah. Just imagine if when you hear Loki will play this one song. When you hear it, it's an emotional evoking sound. So the, the the record is that they, they, it was a female one. When I visited Te Papa, there was one with an edging on it that they could not translate, and it was the name Tutulu. So Samoa Tutulu is uh, Tiri, but it's also the name of a female, which almost affirms the fact that this must have belonged to a female, mm-hmm. and and that's part of the narrative that Samoa has. The youthfulness of it is also the version of uh, Niue. But New Way called it Kilikoa. But before that, it was called Kohe. The Mm. Cook Island has a similar one. But then remember, each of these instruments have duality. Yes. So the 4-4 is to warn people or to let people know that there's a meeting about to start. But we also use it to begin entertainment. Mm. So maybe all of these equipments, because remember, they exist to serve us. So mm-hmm. to either put us to sleep or make you feel better if somebody passes away, or maybe, and one of them is to awaken the royals. Yeah, right? absolutely. And it's uh, actually validating a lot of the comments that I'm seeing on the TikTok that you shared. We have people from New Way saying very similar things. Fiji also saying they yeah. have it. But um, do you know anything about um, the Fijians on this Fiji. One? So there is a gentleman. I know the Tailevu uh, Levuka is the family that play it and they are descendants of a demigod called Ramadake Mm. and Ramadake was a uh, person who was said to have played the Fangufangu they call it um, Bitu Dengubi and so there is but they play it lying down And their feng feng was a little bit longer. Wow. And so he plays it lying down. Mm. And I think... Why, why do they have to lie down? Is it the airflow of the body or what? It could be. Yeah. Y- you have to understand that our interpretation... And this is where we have to make sure that we don't lock a definition of something. Yes. Lucky. Mm-hmm. It's mm. the expression and discovery. Mm. Like when I play it, when Ludwaki lets me play it at some point, <laughs> by the time I'm 80... <laughs> Even listening to it, you get a feeling that will not be shared by you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about ideologies or theories around these practices, mm. we always say that the, the instrument will always talk for itself. Yeah. So maybe all of those narratives, we weren't alive then. Mm. This is the problem with the boat that arrived with hose. Yes. All yes. Right? And I love that analogy mm. that you guys use that as an analogy. I'd love to hear it. Sh- shall we? Shall we get... Don't look at me. I'm not the. I don't know. How to play it. <laughs> Do you know how to play? It? Are you gonna learn it at some stage? I know how to play it in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to talk about the piece that you're gonna play? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. so um, throughout this whole week, I've been there's been like a mixture of like my own personal pieces that I've been adding in, and some um pieces from the three oldest um song and dancers. So that's Metupaki, uh, and Fa'iula. So I'll play a piece from um one of those three um, traditional dances for you guys today. And yeah, hope you guys enjoy.
And this is where the antelope comes in. That was absolutely beautiful, and I'd yeah. love to wake up to that every morning. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I guess being royals and being leaders, you need to wake up to a good environment so you can make good decisions. Exactly. Um, Clear mind space yeah, in the morning. When you've got a kingdom and big decisions to be made, um, we all need to wake up to a nice sound and an opening of some kind. So. That was so yeah. beautiful. And um, <coughs> where, who makes it? Where is it made by your family? Did you buy it yeah, somewhere? So, um, that's, that's the interesting thing is um, my father and I are lucky enough to not really be able to um, play mm. or be able to um, have knowledge on it. But we also have the art and the privilege of making also. Mm. Wow. So um, all the fungal fungals that you've seen or um, band pipes that you'll see on the Sounds of the Moana composer tour and yes. even throughout this week that we've been playing was all created by my father. So it was um yeah, it's it's really special. It's not only from um one angle that we're doing this, we're trying to yes. trying to grab as many angles as yes. we can, try to revive it in um, as many ways as we can. Yeah. Because remember, you cannot play what you don't have. Mm. So in the Tongan culture, and I'm not speaking as a Tongan, but someone who admires and work alongside there is one flavor of making it and the other flavor of playing it just like the violin mm. not all of those who make the violin are good at playing the violin mm. but the violin is you have a lot of makers that's where you see it around Absolutely. for an art form that the papa langi 1777 the pen pipe is when captain cook took the last five in tonga mm. that was the last time it ever existed in tonga his father took a picture because on Captain Cook's boat, there was an artist by the name of John Weber. He drew, he hand drew it all and with mm -hmm. measurements. His father, being a cabinet maker and a carpenter, um, remade all of them by looking mm -hmm. at the image and at the measurements. So now, uh, part of the workshop is most people would get to hear an example of the five that were taken by Captain Cook that are currently kept in a museum in Ireland somewhere. What a Cold. workshop to be at. What mm. a workshop to be at. And yeah. I'm so proud of you guys. This is such amazing work. And the fact that you guys make it as well mm. is awesome. So, you know, keep that keep that hard work um, up. And yeah. your workshop is a place where people can actually come and hear this, right? Exactly. So the workshop is divided into three. So mm -hmm. obviously part one is you get to go through the so we have three instruments or four that we might be displaying. One is the fang fang. The other one, the tongue is called it the mimiha or the pen pipe. So you, if you see the the Solomon Island one, the small pen pipes that they blow. So we've all had one. Mm -hmm. Tonga has one called a mimiha. Samoa has one that we don't have a name that's in a book that's currently in Berlin. Mm -hmm. I don't even know we had that. Like, that's how much has been removed from our culture. Then we also displaying tukipitu. Tukipitu are bamboo sticks. That It's like bass. Yes. Right? And different yes. sounds. So, mm. again, his father managed to recreate them all. And we'll be showcasing what they're used for. You know, just on, on the program, Totayai with Asiata, we talked about certain Samoan sayings around fishing. Because the only way, remember, sharks and dolphins, they only talk in vibration, right? Yes. So the only, and Samoan say, when you do certain things, the fish will come. Mm. Well, not by tapping the water. You need to beat the bottom of the, the, the va'a 
the vibration will then go out. It causes the sharks to come in. Tukipitu probably was one of the tools they used, mm -hmm. but we don't have any mm -hmm. knowledge of it. So the hope is people will come in and get to learn. If you want to start your journey of discovering, please go ahead. We'll also talk about the Sounds of the Mana podcast and what it took to to, to put it together. Mm -hmm. And then we're also opening up the opportunity for our Moana Pacific composers, both Western trained and like Uluwaki, passed down from family member to family member, mm -hmm. to join Sounds, the platform, Center for New Zealand Music, which all of these things are free. But we need to populate them so that yes. the world can see our creations. Absolutely. I'm yeah. going to be there. Thank you. That's definitely something I'm interested in. Come through. Um, the details for this will be attached to this episode and we'll also bring the graphics up as well um what time and location so the same for mm. auckland new plymouth Dunedin, crashes and wellington we kick off at five yeah. island time uh, not island time my lord <laughs> <laughs> you take that back colonizer, very quickly <laughs> colonizers time <laughs> colonizers time so early uh, at the crack of yeah, dawn <laughs> at 5 p.m <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's refresh. Uh, yeah, so we start off at 5 p.m. Yeah. Um, and then we finish by 8.15. Amazing. And I, we, we're going with the uh, the workshop because I know people are, everyone that's written in, they want to touch it, feel it, and learn more about it. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, that's, that's going to be at 5 p.m. to 8.15 to 8.30, depending on the questions that people want to ask. Yeah. But it's it's free from Auckland to Wellington, Dunedin. Because why can't why do we charge for things that we were freely inherited? Mm, absolutely, and I can't wait. Yeah, I will be there. Um, you know we have a a, a lot of mental health uh, issues happening here in uh, New Zealand, oh. and there's a lot of research, a wealth of research in mm -hmm. the Western world and every world, how music and sounds can actually contribute positively to bringing peace to one's mind. And I'm hoping that gave me peace. See, even that is something we've already known. Yes. But when they came to our lands, mm. they took that away. Isn't that funny? Then yep. they went and rediscovered themselves after sitting under a tree and eat, pray, love. Yeah. And then told us back mm. that, hey, yeah, actually, music is good for the soul. Yeah. Like, we know. That's why we have the feng feng to calm you down. Exactly. Uh, we have. But you came and said they were devilish tools. <laughs> and then after you gave us religiosity, you went back to Europe and became atheists. While we're still stuck under the tree mm. of religiosity. Exactly. So it's the same with that. Yeah. We know this. And I hate that we've, uh, well, I have been brought into a world where we have to validate it with research mm. when we've known it through the passing down of our grandparents and our parents yep. have taught us this. But it's like, is it true? Because they've put in that research factor and it has to be written to be true. Colonialism one. Yes. But not for long. Not for long. Um, we'll we'll make it. going to blow them all away. <laughs> I will be supporting you when you do that. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been, I've learned so much through this episode and thank you for your wealth of knowledge. Thank you for playing for us. And just to end the show, because I like this um, podcast to end on a positive note. I just wanted to ask you both, you know, what's one proverb, Bible scripture or quote that has gotten you through this week or a good message you want to share with our audience? We'll start with you. Um, I think for me it's just I'm um, staying staying strong and staying firm in what you know and um not being deceived or um, moved by um outer outer energies. When mm. if you know in yourself that this is what it is, uh be proud, stand tall. That'll be it for me. 
What song is that? <laughs> Isn't that Backstreet Boys? <laughs> you are my fire? <laughs> uh, yeah, look, for me, it, it, it's really simple. The gold is always in your language. Um, that's always been my saying in 2005 when I was a part of Mount Via when we took out the best album and we were up against Scribe and Savage. Um, and our whole album was 100% <laughs> time. We were like, huh? What the hell? <laughs> And that's when we found out the gold is always in your language. Mm. We did the podcast at one gold. Why? It was always in our language. So if you are going through life and you are having whatever challenges you're going through, it's because your feet aren't stable. And when your feet aren't stable, any wind can blow you any direction. Yes. This is hence you wake up and you're, you are rudderless, right? But if you ever want to start to know yourself, the gold is always in your language. It may not have to be through the people that you came up with because sometimes trauma, it's through the closest people. Yes. So your language doesn't belong to a family. It belongs to a race. So if you're not getting what you're after from where you grew up, that's okay. You weren't made to always hang around family. Family sometimes is what you make of it. But in all of that, the power is always in your language. Hopefully that'll empower you, whatever your language is, language of love. Um, or your own mother tongue because you can speak English as much as you want Balangi look at you you're brown you're not white you're still not white mm. so the power is always in your language the power is in your language and to that we say good morning and have a wonderful day mm.